Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Let's talk about Jesus' allegory of the vine and the branches when he illustrates for us the process of spiritual growth and how we, as his people, grow spiritually. Jesus, as you know, was the master teacher of parables. The New Testament is filled with some 38 parables of Jesus as he illustrated what the kingdom of God is like. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. For example, he said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that a farmer planted in the ground. And when it grew, it became the largest of all the garden plants. He said the kingdom of God is like a merchant who finds a treasure in a field and goes and gives all of his money to purchase the field just to have the treasure. The parable of the prodigal son, one of his most famous. The parable of the good Samaritan teaching us how to help others in need. A parable is a simple earthly story with a heavenly meaning, a greater spiritual reality. The word parable means to place something next to something else, to place beside. So Jesus would take something that we're familiar with in the agricultural world in which he lived, a seed and farming and planting. He often talked about nature. He could use money many times because everybody understands money. And he would place it next to something we didn't understand, like the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be born again? He talked about that being like the wind and how the spirit of God works. So Jesus would take something that people knew and understood and place it next to something they didn't understand. So they go, oh, well, the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus occasionally used metaphors and allegories Now, the difference of an allegory and a parable is this. A parable has one central truth. All of the components of that parable, all the intricacies and nuances, are only about one basic truth. An allegory, on the other hand, has many applications. So it moves outward. And Jesus' teaching on the vine and the branches is an allegory, not a parable. And he gave this allegory, this great teaching, the night of the Last Supper, before he went to the cross. The Gospel of John is fascinating because he gives us a lot of insights into many of the things that happened at the Last Supper. Now, we all know that they had the Passover meal, the the famous annual Jewish celebration commemorating their redemption from Egypt, and it pointed to the cross of Christ. We celebrated as Christians in Holy Communion and the Eucharist. But John tells us so much more that went on that night. He records Jesus washing the feet of the disciples to teach him what it really means to be a servant as he came into the world to serve us. John also tells us that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit that night. In John 14, 15, and 16, you find this embodiment of Jesus telling the disciples that he was going to leave the world, although they didn't quite understand that. And the Holy Spirit was going to take his place and the Holy Spirit would teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. 
In John 17, he records Jesus praying this amazing intercessory prayer for every Christian, every believer throughout history as he prepared himself for the cross. But John also records this allegory Jesus gave that night as he was teaching them about how to grow spiritually. Now, we find this allegory in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, and it is an allegory about spiritual growth. And all of us want to grow spiritually. Every Christian wants to grow and to learn and to mature in the image of Christ. We want to overcome our bad habits and our poor communication and kind of the works of the flesh and the old life and the the things that aren't like the Lord to become more like him. We all want that in our lives. And how do we grow spiritually? How do you get spiritually stronger? How do you learn your faith and know your faith and witness for Christ? The good news is that the Christian life is about progression, not perfection. Jesus is our perfection. We are in him. We're not being perfect in the sense that we're completely flawless, but we are being perfected. We are being matured. The apostle Peter writes about how important this is as he writes his newborn babies desire pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. First Peter 2, 2 and 3. Peter ends his last letter by saying, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in 2 Peter 3, 18. So how do we grow spiritually? Jesus gives us three principles of spiritual growth in the allegory of the vine and the branches. So let's talk in our first teaching about the pruning process, because the first step of growing spiritually is allowing God to prune our lives. Then we're going to talk about the abiding results of what it means to remain in Christ and to abide in Christ. And then we're going to talk about his third principle, and that is the obedience principle and what it means to really trust him enough to the place that we obey him. So let's talk today about the pruning process and the first principle of spiritual growth. Jesus begins the allegory this way, John 15, beginning with the first one, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father, that's God, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So that's John 15. Verses one through three. So Jesus introduces himself and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus now in this word picture is the vine and you and I are branches that have coming out of him. We are in him and now we are growing as a result of our relationship to him. But he says, my father, God himself is the gardener. So he's the one working in your life. He's the one tilling the garden. He's the one causing the vine to grow and to produce fruit. So that's the end result, is to produce fruit. And the process is pruning. So the first truth that Jesus teaches us about the pruning process is that God does the pruning. Now, the word prune also means to clean, to have a cleansing effect. And if you've ever seen bushes that are pruned, and I'm sure you have, or a tree that is pruned, it doesn't look that healthy when they prune it. Personally, I get very irritated when I come home and the yard crew has come through there in our subdivision and they pruned all the bushes and the trees. I don't like that. I'm always telling Barbie, they did too much. They cut off too much. 
But I get a picture in my mind, as I'm sure you do, when you see pruning of what God's doing in our lives. And it doesn't sometimes look good, and I'm sure it doesn't feel good to the tree. But this is the first law of spiritual growth, that God invades our lives by his spirit and his work and his grace and his word to prune us, to cleanse us, to purify us. Now, what kind of pruning and cleansing is he talking about? Well, first of all, we are cleansed of our sins when we receive Jesus as our Savior. So this is the cleansing of salvation. It likens our hearts to being cleansed and washed of sin, of guilt, of judgment. You know, sin is a reality. It is also a feeling of guilt. It's a cleansing of the soul. And that's the greatest need of every person in their inner life is a cleansing of their soul. When David sinned against the Lord in his affair, so widely known with Bathsheba, and he repented in Psalm 51 and 10, create within me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He, he sought cleansing of the soul. Isaiah the prophet brought God's word to his people. They were trusting in just liturgical worship and going through the motions. And Isaiah 118, come, says the Lord, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. He talked about a cleansing of the soul. Ezekiel 36 and 26, God said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. In Titus 3, verse 5, Paul the Apostle writes about that when we are saved and receive Jesus as our Savior, our souls are cleansed from sin and from the guilt and the judgment were purified. Titus 3, 5, he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done by, by his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The word regeneration there means to be born again, not by our works of righteousness, but by God's mercy, he saved us by the washing of the new birth, the regeneration. So Jesus says that God is the one who invades your life by his spirit and his grace, when you say, Lord, forgive me my sins, I receive as my Savior, and that your soul is cleansed at that point. But now he's talking about an ongoing cleansing work. And this cleansing work that goes on in our lives is what the Bible calls sanctification. So we are cleansed when we're saved, but sanctification is this ongoing. It, it's a word that means to be dedicated to God. It could mean to be cleansed and purified in the sense that you're preparing something for its active service, to make something holy and set apart and sacred. That's sanctification. And it's an ongoing work in our lives. We have been cleansed. We are forgiven. And yet we all make mistakes and we commit sins at times. We think the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And we come to the Lord and we say, Father, cleanse me, prune my heart. First John 1 and 7 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son cleanses us from all sin. And that becomes the first law of spiritual growth that we recognize at times the need to be pruned, attitudes that need to be pruned. Ways of communicating that need to be pruned. We all continue to discover things about ourselves, things that God reveals to ourselves, and we realize we got some work that still needs to be done on our hearts. Well, that's what Jesus has talked about. To grow spiritually, you've got to be open to God pruning your life. Now, usually we like to point out everybody else's sins and mistakes. That's easier, but that's not our responsibility because we don't want to be open to God saying, I want to prune this out of your life. 
but that becomes the first law of spiritual growth. So God does the pruning. It does not feel good when he prunes us, and it's uncomfortable when we get pruned, but that's how we grow. Many Christians get stuck in their traditions or their negative attitudes or even bad habits, and they're, they justify it instead of confronting it. They rationalize it away instead of looking at it. They easily judge everybody else's sins, but they, they can't see their own. Remember what Jesus said about that in Matthew 7, 1 through 3. Did I judge or you too will be judged? For the measure you use, it'll be measured to you again. And why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye or your sister's eye? And he said, you don't see the plank in your own eye. Well, that's what he's talking about. We want to prune everybody else's life, but only God can prune a person. We can't prune people. And we all need pruning. And when you're open to it and say, Lord, search me, as the psalmist prayed in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, no anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was praying for ongoing pruning. So God does the pruning. The second lesson is that we have to yield to the pruning. We have to say, Lord, I receive your correction. I'm open to seeing that fault, that flaw in my life and my character. We have to submit to God's pruning and not resist him. Pruning is used to cut off the dead and unfruitful branches so that they can bear new fruit and more fruit. And if we don't submit to the pruning to get these things out of our lives and these things out of our vocabulary and these things out of our hearts at times, then we can't grow. Then we dwarf our own spiritual development. So God does the pruning, but the second truth is you and I have to yield to the pruning. It's like that old song, have Thine own way, Lord, is that sense of submission. The Lord, search me and know me and try me and test me. And Lord, I'm open to you pruning my life and I receive it. The third great truth is that you and I bear more fruit when we are pruned. And that's what the point is. We want to produce fruit in our lives. And there are two kinds of fruit when Jesus is talking about bearing fruit, producing something. There's the fruit of character and there's the fruit of ministry. So there's the fruit of maturity, who we are, and there's the fruit of ministry, how we serve others. That's the two types of fruit Jesus is talking about when he's talking about producing more fruit. And he said, my father prunes the tree, the vine. He cuts away the dead branches so that it can be more fruitful. And until you and I allow the Lord to cut certain things out of our lives, that are impediments to our spiritual growth, then we stop bearing fruit. That's why Christians sometimes get stuck and get stagnant. And our, de our development is kind of stunted in that point. We stay where we are, but when we allow God to prune us, we start bearing more fruit. Two kinds of fruit, fruit of maturity, character, who you are, and fruit of ministry, how you minister and treat others. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance, Paul writes, against us things there is no law. And there Paul is writing about the fruit of character, the fruit of maturity, of growing as a person. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and 8 that the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is when the light of the gospel is in us, the light of truth. We're walking in the word of God, not deceiving ourselves or walking in darkness. The fruit, the result of that is a life of goodness and truth and integrity. And then there's a fruit of ministry to others. Paul writes about this in Colossians 1 and 6 when he's praying for the church. And he says, the gospel is producing fruit and growing among you. 
You see, the gospel in us produces fruit. It produces a life of service and ministry to others. I know that you, like me, want to grow. We want to become all that God has created us to be and all that Jesus saved us to be. And you and I are just branches. We've been planted in Christ, and now we're growing in Him. The first law of becoming who God ordained us to be, of reaching our highest potential, of bearing the fruit of the Spirit, of having a life of effective ministry to others, is always to be open and yielded to God's pruning work in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we do today say, Lord, we yield to the work of your skillful hand to prune out of our lives attitudes, beliefs, habits that are not like you, that are an impediment to Christ's image in us. We open our hearts to your pruning work today by your spirit and pray you'll do a new work in us and through us in Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing this time with me. This is a magnificent allegory. I'm looking forward to sharing more with you about the vine and the branches. I want to thank you for your faithful support of the Mount Perrin Ministries. And I want to encourage you to always invite others to share in these Bible studies. It's a great way to share the Word of God and to be a minister to others as well. Make sure you get the Mount Perrin app. If you don't have it yet, let's stay connected and follow me in the church on social media. You're part of the Mount Perrin family. So many new updates and ministries and exciting things happening through the life of our church together. So you can stay together with the app and through social media. This Sunday's coming. We've got a great day planned. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family in church. Invite somebody to the house of God with you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.